Football is back and right now Bet365 are offering a wide range of markets including first, last or anytime goal scorers. With over 45 million members it's the world's favourite online betting company. We've got wall-to-wall Premier League football with games being played nearly every day and with Bet365 Bet Builder you can combine match results, players to score, number of goals and more to create your own personal bets. And if you can't watch the games live with Bet365's Match Lives feature, you can follow every moment through live graphics and text. Bet365 is the world's favourite online sport betting company. The app can be downloaded from Google Play and Apple App Store. Over 18s only, please gamble responsibly. Welcome to the Molyneux View podcast with me, Jackie Oatley, and your Wolverhampton Wanderers correspondent for The Athletic, Tim Spears. Hi, Tim. The Queen of Codsall. Hello to you. (laughs) The Sheriff of Stafford. Wolves are back on track. Three wins, successive defeats, and now a highly convincing 3-0 victory over Everton. And it could easily have been more. On this week's pod, former Wolves and Burnley winger Michael Kitely joins us to talk about Nuno's tactics and how he thinks Wolves should approach the Burnley game at Turf Moor on Wednesday night. But first, Tim, we recorded that bonus podcast, didn't we? The the pod of doom last Wednesday night after that Blades defeat. A little bit more upbeat now. It's crazy how how, we, how our moods are changed by results, right? Just one win, uh, one defeat for Leicester, one defeat for Chelsea. It's all changed, all changed. Happy days. It was all good. It was all very positive. And then ping came the news of Manchester City overturning their two-year Champions League ban. And of course, the ramifications for Wolverhampton Wanderers as a result. Tell us about that. Well, you know, we all became amateur lawyers, didn't we, over the past few months and just assumed that City would get a ban for a year, maybe. Um, But to have it completely wiped out, was a bit of a surprise this morning, even though there were kind of suggestions over the weekend that that might be the case. It's disappointing. There's no, there's no point going massively into the ins and outs of the finances because obviously that's that's UEFA have done that. Um, this independent panel's done that, and that's the decision that they've come to. But um, I don't think it sends out a great signal in terms of FFP for clubs across Europe. And the ramifications for Wolves could be quite serious, really. I mean, they're sixth at the moment. We hope they're on a bit of an upward trajectory after the weekend and that they can finish the season strongly. The aforementioned Leicester and Chelsea perhaps on a bit of a downward momentum. Wolves could finish fifth. And then and then they're in the Europa League instead of the Champions League. So for this to happen on July the the thirteenth, the season finishes very, very soon. It's um it's not ideal at all. But from Wolves' point of view, you know, they haven't planned for this. They haven't they're not planning for Champions League football. It would be a bonus if they've got it. So they're not they're not losing out from where they are. Um, I think at best there'll be slight disgruntlement from um, from the Wolves hierarchy, but certainly publicly that you know that they're not going to kick up a fuss and they're not going to upset the apple cart. I think that's I think that's for clubs higher up the chain to do really, if anything. So Wolves, like I said, they weren't planning for it. Um, it's disappointing, but. Not entirely unexpected. I happen to know somebody who's a, a senior lawyer at Manchester City and he's a massive Wolves fan. So he'll have done his job very well. <laughs> but there'll be part of him thinking, oh God. Get him on the pod. Oh Come yeah, on. he's a really, really good <laughs> lad. Um, Ted Parton, our friend Dolly, has been in touch saying, Lord Spears, please would you expand on the permutations of the four teams left in the FA Cup winning the competition? Example, Manchester City have already won the League Cup. Please would you kindly discuss with at Jackie Oatley. Thank you. So we're... 
back in terms of league only, we're, we're back we're, and domestic cups. We're back to where we are last season, really. So, if you remember, Wolves finished seventh, and then we're relying on Man City winning the FA Cup to get into Europe. And I went down to Wembley that day when they demolished Watford six nil, and that that granted Wolves a passage into the Europa League. So, we now know for sure, top four Champions League, fifth is Europa League, as is sixth because Man City won the League Cup. And unless Arsenal win the FA Cup, then seventh will be Europa League as well. So for seventh not to be a European position, Arsenal would have to win the FA Cup and finish um, in the outside of those positions, if you would me. Okay. Um, and then if Wolves win the Europa League, then they're in the Champions League, as we know. Exactly. So it's not like the Champions League dream has completely gone. I mean, they've, they've got the Europa League to play for. And if they win that, they are in. So still a huge amount to play for. But it's, it's, not, it's, 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 it's not over domestically either. Like, like I said, you know, if, if you look at those fixtures, we, we've said it before. I said, I said it a couple of weeks ago. You know, Chelsea have got Liverpool, penultimate match. If uh, they've got Norwich next, we expect them to beat Norwich, of course. But if Wolves can win their last three games, including, of course, beating Chelsea away on the final day, then there's a decent chance they'll overtake Chelsea. Now it's harder to get in the Champions League because because it's only fourth and above. But you look at Leicester, and Leicester have got Sheffield United, Spurs, and Manchester United in their last three games. It's a long shot. It's a long shot. And Wolves, I think, are fourteen to one to finish in the top four. It's a long shot. However, it's a shot. It's possible for them to overtake Chelsea and Leicester. It's a, there's a small possibility, but there's a possibility. And all that Wolves can do is win their last three games. Sounds simple. Very difficult. It is possible. And then hope the results um, go their way elsewhere. You never, never know. I wouldn't write them off. And if they do, they would finish on 64 points, which is four points more than Chelsea currently have and five points more than Leicester currently have. The idea they could potentially earn a Champions League place by right in only their second season in the Premier League, only their third season since Nuno came in, would be just insane in itself. They're already making progress on last season, almost, well, looking very likely to um, to top their points total last season, which was 57. You know, they, they could overtake that on Wednesday if they beat Burnley. And a decent chance of finishing higher than seventh. You know, they're sixth at the moment. I, I would back them to to finish at least sixth. And then obviously what they've done in the Europa League as well, it's massive progress on last season. So the temporary doom and gloom that hung over everybody after the Sheffield United late, late defeat, 93rd minute winner for them, successive defeat, seems to have gone and it seemed to disappear. Well, after kickoff, as soon as Wolves became very positive, but even I would suggest when the team news came out, what was your initial reaction when you saw the three changes and the positivity that Nuno went for in his starting lineup? Yeah, I mean, I'd also go back a step earlier to when um, Sheffield United beat Chelsea 3-0, which showed you, it kind of put, put Wolves' result there in perspective, really. You know, they demolished Chelsea. Uh, Wolves were within a few seconds of getting what would have been, a, a, you know, a decent point at Sheffield United. Yeah, the team news. You, you know, you look at those two performances, you look at what Wolves did at Bramwell Lane on Wednesday and you look at what they did against Everton on Sunday. What was different was was three key different personnel coming in and you're looking at Pedence who was, I thought was fantastic and really took the game by the scruff of the neck. Neto, who kind of done what, what we've we've come to expect from him really in uh, in recent weeks and months, unfortunately got injured and, you know, we hope he's okay. We'll get some news on that on Tuesday. And then I thought Leander Dendonka, you know, everyone raved about him, rightly so, for getting his goal against Villa, but he, he his performance was topped, I thought, um, by what he did against Everton. Breaking from midfield, Wolves suddenly had... 
different lines of attack. You know, they've they've they can, they can be a little bit predictable at times, but with Dendonka breaking from midfield, with Pedence and Neto, you know, they were switching flanks. I, I don't think their fullbacks knew whether they're going to go outside or inside. And then you had Dendonka and Johnny offering good support. And Jimenez is obviously up there as well. So all of a sudden, you know, your front three becomes a front five with your wing backs, and you've got Dendonka pushing forward as well. And then you've got Neves pulling the strings behind them all. He had an outstanding game. You know, Pedence was brilliant, but for me, Neves was a man of the match. And I was looking at his, his touch map earlier. He was everywhere, Jackie, in both boxes, all around centre midfield, on both flanks. It was an all-action performance. Um if I, if, I, if I just touch on a couple of his stats, I mean, five tackles for Neves, three interceptions, 89% pass accuracy, 11 successful long balls out of 14 attempted, 92 passes in total. The next highest on the pitch was Sigurdsson on 73, and for Wolves it was Cody on 66. Um, so it, he, he did everything you wanted from him. And then that assist for Jota's goal was just sublime. And it kind of, he kind of heart back to his championship days for me in terms of dominating a game. And I do wonder, and it's a really interesting question, is it because Martinho wasn't alongside him? You know, has this released the shackles a little bit for Neves to, to really dominate a game like we know he can do? And if, if he can pr- start producing that on a regular basis next season, then he becomes Wolves' best and most important player for me. You know, you talk about Jimenez, Traore, Jota and others, but... Neves has got has got the ceiling and the potential to be to be better than all of them, and I think he showed a glimpse against a very weak and poor Everton team. It has to be said, but he but he he did exactly what he had to and dominate the game. And the scoreline flattered Everton. I thought it could have been five or six and should have been. Well, that's interesting. You're saying that you think potentially Neves is a better player without Moutinho alongside him. Do you think that he's more likely to dominate a game without him because of the psychological barrier of having this? legend from his own country or do you think it's more of a physical thing and the fact that he can roam free because he has that space and and having Dendonka say plays in different positions slightly to Moutinho I think I think he knows that Dendonka is not going to be a playmaker you're not going to get that from him he hasn't got that in his armory he hasn't got that passing range so it's up to Neves it's Neves or nobody whereas when Moutinho's in there I mean he's certainly not overawed by him and, and you know they struck up a really good partnership particularly towards the end of last season and at times this season as well. But they are a little bit similar. Um, if you remember when they started playing together at the start of last season, there were question marks over whether it could work because they were too similar. And it was only when Dendonka came into the team that um, that Wolves' midfield looked far more effective. So you've got to look at it in black and white and say, look, for the last few weeks, Neves has been okay. You know, not done a huge amount. He's sort of... Um, He's solid, he tackles well, he covers his ground, he's a good pivot. But in terms of dominated game, we haven't seen that from him until until Sunday. So you've got to look at the fact Dendonka was alongside him. I think he took the onus on himself to run that game. Dendonka did a lot of running, a lot of bursting forward into the box, mostly down the right-hand side. But yeah, it's an interesting conundrum going forward. Really, really interesting team selection on, on Wednesday. Really interesting. You know, We'll get into it later when we look more towards the game, but... Does he leave Moutinho out again? Can he leave Pedence out? Does he have to start him? Traore, Jota on the bench, Moutinho on the bench? You know, fantastic selection head out for Nuno. It's only a minute ago, well, a couple of days, that we were talking about lack of options, particularly in midfield. Now suddenly one win, really positive performance against an admittedly very poor Everton. And suddenly it's all looking very optimistic. It's amazing what a difference a few days can make, isn't it? Yeah, but it's kind of highlighted to me that 
the last two games against Arsenal and Sheffield United, you know, that's not the real Wolves. We, we know that. We knew that anyway. But Sunday against Everton really highlighted that that this this is Wolves and that was what was so frustrating about that Sheffield United game. You know, we know they've got that in them. Why they couldn't perform on that day? Um, was that down to fatigue? Potentially um, psychological fatigue? And you look at the players coming in and freshening it up. There was such vitality and such kind of vim and vigour from the flanks. And like I said, all these all these players bombing forward and Everson just didn't know how to handle it. And it's great for Pedence and great for Nuno that he's made himself an option now. Uh, I don't know why we've waited so long to see that, but I thought he was um, I thought he was excellent. Close control, great dribbling ability, pace. He was direct. He could have scored a couple of goals as well. He looks like he's got a lot in him. He's a five foot four pint of Portuguese positivity, Spiders. That's what he is. Oh, yeah, I like that. He is. He's, <laughs> he's great to watch. Lovely to see him play. And I saw this Daniel Pedence fan on Twitter during the match yesterday. I don't mean to overreact, but I reckon Pedence is up there with Bull and Cullis at the moment. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Love it. it. He can retire now. Oh, his reputation's intact. Bless his heart. You've got to love that. Uh, Warren Jones tweeted us. Tim, he said, when Wolves sign players, I think Nuno purposely holds off on playing them straight away so he can mould them into the Wolves way. That way, when he does freshen the lineup, it really outfoxes the opposition as they don't know what to expect. Now, there is an element that the opposition spend all week planning to counter Raul and particularly Triore, but actually this was a very different proposition who they won't particularly have spent much time planning for. No, you're right. And Neto as well. And, you know, Dendonka in the midfield too. These are things that we haven't seen really this season, you know, let alone Everton. And, and I think, yeah, you're right, they, they did struggle to cope. If Traore's shoulder's going to be a problem and, you know, Jota's been a bit hit and miss recently, then then this is the perfect time to bring these two players in. And with, with three games to go, if Wolves can get on a bit of a roll and win three games, you know, we know where it could take them. So as for the point, it's a good one. And I completely agree that Nuno is very keen to bed players in to his style to his unit, to how Wolves work as an organised team, defending from the front is very important. You know that's why Traore took um, took a while to get integrated into the into the team week in week out because he wasn't he wasn't defending well enough. And you've got to defend from the front. And Pedence, you know, as you as you said there, he's not the biggest. He's not going to be the most physical, so he'll need to improve on that. Whether that whether that means he doesn't start against Burnley, I think that will, that will that will count against him. You know the fact that um, he's he's not as good as Jota in those kind of scenarios, and and he's and he's not going to be for some time. So um, yeah, I agree with that. You know, Dendonka didn't play the first half of last season. He came in and hit the ground running. Traore was in and out last season. I think he made eight league starts, and 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 he's he's hit the ground running this season. So maybe this is the one for. Um, for Pedence? Yeah, I mean, looking back to that Dendonka signing, he signed in August 2018, didn't kick a ball till December in the Premier League, but it was a sub against Chelsea. So he really did hold him back. And at the time, we were thinking, who is this guy? Wasn't he his signing? But maybe we need to give Nuno a lot of credit here in the sense that so much thought goes into the planning of this side. Unlike certain clubs, we could say, West Ham, they don't just pluck signings randomly from different places and, and chuck them into a squad and hope they make a good side. The manager is very much the master of planning exactly what he wants and drilling his side so that when anybody comes in, they know exactly the system. And as you said, hit the ground running with a completely different lineup or front three lineup. If it's by design, it's, it's, a, it's a psychological masterstroke because if, if, if Pedence had started a couple of games when he was perhaps deemed not ready 
um, and he then maybe had not done well and Nuno's upset with him and leaves him out of the team, then we could be looking at a scenario now where everybody's thinking, you know, he's, he's not going to get anywhere near the team. But because he's held him back and now he's come in at this point and he's hit the ground running, he's he's flying and this is this is the start of his Wolves career, hopefully, you know, from here. So um, it's an interesting way of doing it. Um, and they spent they spent a lot of money on these players, you know, Dendonka twelve million, Traore eighteen, Pedence seventeen. It's a it's a it's it's a ballsy and risky strategy to to not play them at first. But I guess we're looking long term here. This is this is a long term project. We hope Nuno's around for years to come. We hope Pedence is as well. So integrating him at the right time is 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 all important and um Certainly judging on Sunday, it looks like he's done that. You say a lot of money, but the players used by Everton cost more than £260 million. That despite fielding four academy graduates. So there's money and then there's spending money wisely, isn't there? And uh, having a manager to mould them and not chopping and changing your managers. But Ancelotti will come good. It's just that he needs a lot more time and probably a good couple of transfer windows to to sort that lot out. Um, but as well as the positive starting lineup, there was also the positive attitude right from the first whistle, wasn't it? The fact that they went forward and, and they had a shot after, what, a minute and a half or so. I wonder what Nuno said to them pre-match and whether this business of not just sussing out the opposition for an hour or so and then and then going for the kill the final 30 minutes or so, whether they were thinking, right, we're getting the business end of the season, it's now or never. Yeah, it, it did have a now or never feel about it. I mean, they've had early shots before. I mean, they had the shot, shot on target after 17 seconds against Arsenal. They just haven't been able to to keep that memento and, and that tempo going. And I mean, you know, they, they weren't exactly electric against um, Everton in the first half. They had a couple of chances in a couple of minutes that one where Pedence kind of uh, snuck through and, and Pickford saved, and then Jimenez's overhead kick, which was a <laughs> phenomenal <laughs> attempt, by the way. Um, but other than that, they didn't have too too many shots. But but yeah, going in at half time in front was all important. We've been calling for it for weeks. They've done it what five, six times all season, something six like that. Six now. They've ha- well, not so much they've scored, but six times they've had a half time lead all season, and all six they've won. In the Premier League, I, I know they've been great from behind the season. Twenty-one points from losing positions, I think it is. But, but generally, as a team, they do prefer to lead from the front. You know, they don't like stretching themselves out. They've got this very cohesive and and um, organised defensive unit, and they prefer um, sitting on a lead and hitting teams on the break. And I thought they did that perfectly on Sunday and sort of set the set, set the template really for the coming weeks. Yeah, they really turned the screw in the second half. But just on that first half, four shots inside 30 minutes, two on target with Raul and Pedence. It was positive and then they really stepped up a gear. But overall, and we're not really stat heavy on this podcast particularly, but it just shows that they had been a bit shot shy in recent games. And even those three wins in a row, they they conserved energy, shall we say. They did what they had to against limited opposition. But 14 shots this time, 10 from inside the box, uh, four from outside. Um, that The fact that they consolidated their lead seconds after the restart was also a big factor because they didn't let Everton back into the game. They could easily have, have sat back and done what they do and kept the ball well. But that free kick from Neto and the header from Dendonka, you just got the sense that really took the wind out of Everton's sails. I mean, they, they were just relentless. They, they kept going. Like I said, they, they, they could and should have had four or five. And Everton had no answer, really, You know, despite the fact they brought on five players. They barely, barely troubled Wolves at the back and... That's something which was um, underplayed, I think, a bit yesterday. Is just how good Wolves were defensively. You know, I made a special effort yesterday to watch um, Connor Cody for a piece I've, I've put online this morning. Well, watch and hear. 
Um, I listened to Cody for 90 minutes, basically, um, to the many instructions that he offers. I mean, he's, it's hilarious. He's the loudest man in the stadium by, by, by a massive distance um, with this foghorn voice of his. And um, it's, it's remarkable, honestly, once you sit back and make the effort to actually listen to him, He's basically, he's, he's Nuno on the pitch. He speaks far more than Nuno, by the way. But he's, it's constant encouragement and positive reinforcement and managing people's positions, managing that defensive line. And yes, Neves was exceptional, so was Pedence. But I thought, I thought Cody was flawless, actually. Everton didn't trouble him too much. But, you know, we looked at Richarlison being a danger man and he's troubled Wolves in the past. But every time they tried to put that ball into Richarlison, Cody sniffed out the danger and got there first. Time and time again, he would beat him to the ball and Calvert-Lewin as well. And um, I thought the back three as a whole were excellent. And eight, eight clean sheets in 11, is it now? I mean, it's, it's, a, it's a fantastic defensive record. You can read that article, by the way, that Tim's talking about and all his other fine work. If you're a subscriber to The Athletic, go to theathletic.co.uk forward slash Wolves pod, free for the next 30 days. When you were listening to 90 Minutes of Connor Cody, how many swear words in there? Was it one a minute? One every five minutes? Uh, do you know he wasn't? Was he a clean father of three? There, there weren't too many. There, there were quite a few F's. There were. Um, everything was effing good, actually. That was the general consensus. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it, 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 do you know it, it was? It was what was really interesting was how um, he took the time during the mini stoppages to praise teammates, mostly in particular, Pedence. Neto and Triore, they were the three that he really focused on. And you, you see that Triore will be down one end of the pitch and Cody down the other, and he'll just shout his name and shout his name until he finally kind of gets his attention. And then he just give him a thumbs up and he'll be like, "Carry on, carry on." Just constant messages. And Saïs was the other one that he really—I've noticed this for a few games in a row now. He kind of leaves Bolly to his own devices a little bit, and Bolly's the most experienced centre half of the three, you know, by a distance. But but Saïs is constantly on him for his positioning to stay in that line. And um, I mean, what Cody is to Sa- to Saiz. Yeah, constantly yeah. Um, ch- making sure that he that he's in line with them, and um, or making himself available for a pass. Um, but con- again, that constant positive reinforcement towards Saiz was was very noticeable. He really talks him through the game, N- not Bolly at all. There's a few bits here and there with Bolly, but mostly it's Saiz. So you've heard 90 minutes of Connor Cody without him once saying, we just listen to the manager. We listen to the manager. <laughs> really, really good. Really this, really that. We just listen to the manager. <laughs> Love him. What an absolute leader that guy is. And, and that's why the fans adore him so much. He's, he's just an absolutely top, top captain. Um, we've got to talk about the third goal. I mean, Jota, great to see him back on the score sheet. First goal in eight games, all competitions since he scored at Spurs. But oh my goodness, that assist. You touched on it earlier. Oh, when he won the ball back in the right back position from uh, Bernard and then looked up and floated what was an inch perfect pass. Some long passes, you think, he didn't mean that. But Neves, you know exactly what he was trying to do. Yeah, he's, he's, he's done that a few times in the in the past couple of seasons, but but we need more from that from him. I mean, it harked back to a goal they scored against Leicester in a 4-3 from last season. Very reminiscent of that when those two completely ran the show. Jota got a hat-trick. I think Neves got two assists, maybe three. Um, and also from Jota's point of view, it reminded me of that Man United goal in the FA Cup quarter final last season, where he takes it early, surprises you know a good keeper at his near post, strikes it low and true. And I was really pleased for Jota because if you remember a few minutes earlier, he was through one and one, should have scored then, and he basically fell over, didn't he? 
and that was sort of indicative of how it's been for him recently. You know, so he hasn't scored since the restart. He used to say he's not scored for a while. He's a confidence player, Jota, and his his goals do come in 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 gluts, and he tends to score, you know, five in three or something like that, and then not score for a couple of months. That's the way it goes for him. I don't think it's a coincidence. I, th- I think he's, I think he relishes on being written off, and he'll have had his nose put out of joint by by not starting the game. You know, Pedenza Neto um, below the pecking order. Uh, below Jota all season, but they come in ahead of him. He'll have had his nose put out of joint, and he came, and he was playing like he had a point to prove. So that's great. The four the four of them at the moment they couldn't. It, you know we hope Neto's okay for Wednesday, but the four of them all in all in a, a, a little purple patch actually, um, and it gives you know fantastic options. Just on that Neves pass, I mean just at the time we were absolutely purring when it happened but it reminded me a couple of podcasts ago when we had Dave Edwards on to talk about Wolves having won three games out of three and he told us about how he was uh, with Neves of course when Neves signed in the summer of 2017 for that wonderful championship season and he told us about the players reaction to Neves first training session have a little listen to this but I remember when we got back to Compton he had a couple of training sessions where he just wired everyone I remember he went into a tackle in midfield playing this shape game full size pitch and the ball flew up by 10 foot in the air and he just ran onto it half volley just to hit the ground and sprayed it about 60 yards no higher than maybe three foot off the ground straight to Matt Doherty and everyone just kind of looked around and started a little clap and then I remember at the end of that session he went into a five aside and he lobbed John Ruddy from about four yards out and not like a dink over him he actually lobbed him and I was like how on earth has he done that and I think that's the moment when everyone thought wow Wolves are so lucky to to have a player of this quality and then it was just hoping then that he could produce that on a on a match day and he, he certainly has done that and he's just improved every every week since then as well I think that was Dave Edwards there with us on our 25th podcast from the 30th of June, if you'd like to listen back to that, or any of the other ones. We've had the likes of former Wolves owner Steve Morgan giving us an exclusive insight into his ownership of the club. And we've had Connor Cody, a special. That was wonderful. Great to hear from uh, the great man during lockdown. So do listen back to previous episodes of The Molyneux View. I was just looking at how many times, Tim, that Wolves scored more than twice at home this season. They haven't been particularly fluent and free scoring at home. And if you exclude own goals, they'd only scored at home more than once in four out of 17 games before Sunday. And now if you exclude own goals and penalties, they've scored more than once in just four out of 18 at home in the Premier League. Is that something for them to focus on next season as an area they can improve on? Yeah, it is. They don't score enough goals to be to be consistently fighting for the Champions League. And, you know, we know that Nuno's honed this sort of... Um, defensive counter-attacking style and they're also become pretty adept this season you know more with the ball and trying to overload and dominate particularly the the lesser teams in the division and they've, they've had great joy from that got a lot of points against the bottom four five or six but yeah going forward he needs to let the handbrake off a little bit if, if Wolves are going to become um, one of the big boys because you don't have a goal difference of what they've got at the moment which is plus 11 and consistently fight for Champions League football what it did do, their 3-0 victory and Chelsea's um, 3-0 defeat really tightens up the goal difference between Wolves and Chelsea. And I know some people might not want to hear it and take one game at a time, Tim. But, you know, the window of opportunity is there, I'm telling Talk you. Talk to yourself again. <laughs> but, yeah, Wolves' goal difference is plus 11 and Chelsea's is plus 14. So, you never know. You never know, Jackie. 
Oh, we could have been more as well, couldn't it, with that Adama Traore chance? Oh, my goodness. Nuno's reaction was the same as every Wolves fan across the country. And you just feel like Wolves don't get chance really to pummel sides very often. But you just felt Everton were there for putting away on the day. And he clipped the top of the bar after... Uh, Jota had unselfishly squared it to him and he busted gut to get there. But Nuno's reaction afterwards, he said, you're in pain after a defeat. It's Sheffield United's second defeat in a row, but you stand up the next morning and you have to go again. That is the game. We had a lot of actions today. We didn't concede too many chances. It's always about trying to upgrade and raise the standards. It was not our main objective, keeping in touch with the top four. There were things we should improve. It's not about that. It's about trying to create and raise standards so we become a better team. Our finishes were not so good. Look at the chances we had. Adama Traore is not going to have an easier one. Um, I thought he was good on Pedence, actually, um, kind of saying how he's been waiting for his moment, how he's been hungry. And he said, uh, I know players get sometimes upset and they don't understand our decisions. It's up to us to motivate them because the chance is always going to come. So he's kind of putting it on himself there. He says, if we're going to leave Pedence out, it's up to us to keep him motivated and, and keep him ready. He says, we have him, Pedro, Diogo, Adama, and they are totally different. So yeah, as we said earlier, options, options. I mean, there aren't many clubs in, in the country that, that can say that they've got four forward players of that quality at their disposal. And if Wolves can have them all on a string and have them all ready every single week, it, it gives them it gives them a massive... Um, a massive string to their bow when it comes to playing anybody. And especially if the opposition manager doesn't know how to prepare because he doesn't know which two or three or four might be playing at any one time. Well, let's bring in Michael Kitely now, the former Wolves and Burnley winger. He uh, won promotion with Wolves to the Premier League and twice with Burnley. We'll talk about that game in a moment, but hi, Michael. Hi, good morning. Good of you to join us. What did you make of Wolves' performance against Everton? I thought they were very good, obviously, um, after... The two losses that they they'd had previously, a couple of, I heard a couple of people saying that they thought Nuno had taken the Wolves as far as uh, he could, which I thought was ridiculous. But I thought I thought their performance was really really good. You know, Everton are in good form, um, doing really well under Ancelotti, and I thought they made Everton look average really. And uh, it, was, it was nice to see them, you know, go on and win win three 0 and nice and comfortable. How much of that do you think was down to Wolves' positive approach from the off? And how much was it down to the fact that Everton just weren't good on the day? Yeah, I think I think Wolves are very good at making teams not play as well as what they can. I think they're very well organised. And I think the changes that Nuno made were, as you said, were very positive. And they came in and done really well, I thought. And it just gave Wolves a little bit of a bit of a lift. And, and you know, they were fresh, which I felt they probably needed. Um, but, you know, Nuno has stuck to his normal 11, really, if you like, since we've been back from lockdown. But the, the changes that, he's, that he made, I thought, were, uh, were very, very good. There was a bit of criticism of Nuno. It doesn't happen very often, but there was after the Sheffield United game for, for keeping the pacey forward options on the bench and for not changing it when it seemed the game was flat and also there for the taking. So it would have had a big bearing on the table had they won that game rather than conceded that, that very late uh, winner to Sheffield United. What did you make of that criticism? Was it fair, do you think? To be honest, I was really surprised when he brought off Traore and, and put on Dendonka. I was surprised and I was sort of screaming at the TV myself. And I, I have heard you know, a, f- a few you know, comments that Wolves fans have been saying about Nuno. I, I did think he made a mistake in, in that game, but you, know, you can't criticise him too much because what he's done at the club has been unbelievable. And this season, they've been so good and... You know, even after lockdown, they've they've come back and they've won three games on the spin. 
Um, and then, you know, they've lost, they've lost to Arsenal and Sheffield United, but, you know, they've bounced back yesterday with, a, with another great win. So, you know, we have to be careful sometimes what you wish for as a fan, you know, saying that maybe Nuno's taken as far as we can because, you know, we're talking about Wolves and Champions League here and that's just, to even be talking about that is amazing. Um, and the fact that they've got a real chance and, and they've had a real chance of doing that sort of all season, really. Um, you know, I think he deserves all the credit in the world and people just need to just calm down a little bit. It's probably only about one in a million people that maybe said... I mean, we had one tweeted to our podcast who said, would his defensiveness mean that it couldn't really be a top-four manager? But uh, this particular tweeter insisted it didn't mean they thought he should go or, or couldn't take them on. He just thought maybe he was a bit defensive. But, yeah, there weren't too many fans who were uh, too critical of Nuno. I think it was very unusual. I mean, one of the criticisms we levelled at him was that Pedence didn't come off the bench, but he's gone and rectified that on on Sunday. Um, what did you make of his performance? I mean, I thought he was fantastic. Yeah, I thought he was really, really good. Um, I was surprised that he never came on in the Sheffield United game. And fair play to Nuno, he probably realised that you know he made a mistake and he, and he, he stuck him in it, stuck him in against Everton. And you know, no better way for for Pedence to to show Nuno what you know what he's been missing, if you like. And I thought his performance was really good. He looked sharp, he looked strong. Every time he got the ball, he, he looked like something he was going to make something of it. And he's exactly what Wolves need because when when Triore doesn't play, I feel like sometimes they do lack that little bit of um, pace and 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 you know someone to light up the game. And he he definitely did that. So you know, it's great news for for, for Nuno and great news for Wolves fans. It was the first time in eight games in the Premier League that Wolves had scored in the first half. They do tend to be quite standoffish in the first half and just keep it tight and really come to life in the last third of the game. Do you think that's the template now for the rest of the season? They have to be positive in the final three games to, to finish on a high and, and not to have any regrets. Yeah, definitely. You know, I've always been quite critical of that because I've done a lot of commentary for, uh, for Wolves games this season. And first half, it's always been sort of you know, a bit sort of lackadaisy and, and almost a little bit boring, if you like. And then second half, they come out and they, they do their business, which is which is fair play if that's their sort of the way of playing. But I felt yesterday from the off, they were they were positive and, and they put Everton on the back foot and, and they never really give Everton a chance to, to get going. And I think that's why Everton looks so poor. Um, and obviously to go on to win 3-0. So, yeah, they, they, for me, they need to win their next you know, all, all their three games that they've got left um, to have a chance for the Champions League. And, you know, if they perform like they did yesterday, then why not? Why can't they uh, go on and win the next three? I mean, the fact that Pedenz has now shown himself to be a really viable option and then you've got Neto, who we hope is OK, you know, with his injury, and then Traore and Jota. I mean, that's that's four forward players almost as good as, as what most teams in the whole league can offer. How... how how much of a strength is that going to be now for Wolves going forward, knowing that even if two of them are off their game, you know, you've got two on the bench to come on after an hour. You know, that's a massive string to their bow, isn't it? Yeah, it is. It's huge. And the fact that they're so solid at the back you know, and have been all season is, is, is great, which they can build from. And then, as you said, you know, you know, I, I, I've been a real big fan of Triore this season, but I, I think it's a, a good play to have him come off the bench. You know, he's, he's been struggling with the shoulder injury. Um, obviously, everyone's aware of that. And I think to bring him on in the last 30 minutes of a game is just, you know, it must be a nightmare for teams playing against him because, you know, they're tired. They're getting into that that spell where in the game where, you know, they're not quite at it themselves. And then Triore comes on with the, the way that he's been playing. So I think that's a real, you know, good string to their bow. 
and the fact that um, the Dents has you know taken his chance yesterday. I've I've always been a big fan of Neto. I think he's a very good player. Hopefully, as you said, his injury is not too bad. And and Jota's been great this season, and he's come on yesterday and probably should have had two. You, you know, he probably should have scored before he scored the goal that he scored. As you said, they've all got you know loads of qualities. Um, got pace in there, which is which is good. You know, frightens teams. And 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 I think Nuno will. We'll look at that a little bit differently now because obviously he hasn't really used Pedence and he's only recently sort of given Neto a little bit little bit more minutes. He's always sort of stuck with Jimenez, Jota and, and Traore or, or changed formation. So hopefully now those four that we've, we've mentioned will get more of a run out and they'll be able to chop and change it, which is, uh, which is only good and obviously going to going to frighten teams when you're getting a Traore coming on as fresh as a daisy. Well, I mean, it's a massive selection headache now for Wednesday. I mean... I guess sort of knowing knowing Burnley as you do, I mean, they, I think they had Bardsley and Charlie Taylor as fullbacks at Liverpool um, at the weekend. I mean, do, does does Pedence have to play again because he played so well, or, or do you mix it up? Who, who would you um, who would you play? Yeah, I'll definitely play Pedence. I think he'll be on a high. You know, obviously, I think that was his first start, wasn't it? So you know, he's he's still he's nice and fresh. I'd definitely play him. I, I, as I said, I like the idea of Traore coming off the bench at the minute just because of his shoulder injury. Um, obviously, we're going to have to see how Neto is. He probably I would have thought he won't be available for that game. Um, so maybe go Jota and Pedence uh, alongside uh, Jimenez, and then you've got that card where you can bring Traore on. That's what I would do. I think you know you need to be careful with Traore's shoulder because if he keeps popping it out, he's going to have to have an operation on it, and then he could end up missing you know the European games that are also really important at the end of the season. Your old club Burnley have only lost one in the Premier League of their last 11 and that was their now traditional 5-0 defeat against Man City. Um, what do you think Wolves' approach will be to that game? Because they know how difficult they are to beat, but obviously Man City do something to them that, um, that, that has an effect. What do you think their approach will be? I think it will be the same, uh, you know, every game. I don't think Nuno will, you know, change the way that he plays or go into any... You know, thinking any differently. You know, obviously we know with Burnley they are they're tough to beat. Um, you know, I know Man City have beaten them five, but Man City you know can do that to anyone. You know, they've, they've made they made Liverpool look really poor the other week. So you know, Sean Dyche won't be thinking too much about that that, that five nil loss. He'd be as you as you said, he'd be thinking about the the one in the eleven that they've uh, they've lost, which is great for. But you know, for, for Nuno, he'll, he'll go there and think that. They can go there and get the win, and, and why not? Um, obviously, it is going to be difficult. And Burnley, you know, they sit sort of ten men behind the ball, and they become very difficult to beat and hard to hard to score against. But that's where I think Nuno has to go positive from the start and, and try and get that early goal. I think when you play Burnley, the first goal is massive because you know you see how many games they win one nil. Um, it's scary, really. So the first goal in that game is going to be huge. So nice and positive right from the off, just as they were against Everton, you reckon? No sitting back and assessing the opposition for the first half? No, they, they have to be positive for me because Burnley are probably one of the best teams at, at, at doing you know, the ugly side of the game. Um, so if they go out and they're not positive and Burnley nick a goal from a set piece or you know, Jay Rodriguez has scored a few from, from crosses, then Burnley can become a really hard team to break down. So I think... Nuno's got to go there and be really positive and try and get that first goal. And if they get that first goal, then I can see him going on and, you know, winning the game like they did against Everton. But 
if they don't, it can become a, a, you know, a really difficult game for them. Moutinho was rested from the start against Everton. He's played an awful lot of football this season. What do you think he'll do in midfield? Would you think Dendonka would keep his place and Moutinho start on the bench again? Or how do you think he'll start there? Yeah, I'm a, bit, I'm a big fan of Moutinho. I think he's a really good player. Um, but I, I was just so pleased with the performance um, yesterday that I just I don't see how he can change it too much, if, if I'm honest. I thought Dendonka, obviously, he got his goal and, and, and is a good player. He's nice and solid, um, which might be needed against a team like Burnley. Um, and then you've always got that, that option of bringing Moutinho on. So, for me, I wouldn't make too many changes. Um, I think it's probably... You know, if we're honest, I think it's the best performance that Wolves have had since we've come back from the lockdown. You know, I know they've they've won games, but you know they beat Villa one 0 and and Bournemouth one 0 But I thought yesterday, I think it's the best performance we've seen from Wolves since they've been back. Um, so you know, I, I don't really like him if he wouldn't make too many changes unless he has to. I think the Neto one might be a bit forced, but other than that, I wouldn't be making any changes. I mean, looking at the table, Burnley are tenth right now, but. If they beat Wolves, they'll be two points behind and then they've got Norwich and Brighton in their last two. I mean, they'll fancy their chances, won't they, of sneaking into those European places. Um, I mean, it's a, it's going to be a massive, pivotal game. They're just not to be underestimated, are they, especially at Turf Moor? No, they're not. And that's that's what Sean Dyche has installed in them. You know, I remember when the first year I got promoted at, uh, at Burnley, we, we got promoted two games before the end of the season. And we thought, oh, well, a couple of the other lads will play that's not been playing now. And, you know, it'll give the boys that have been playing every week a bit of a rest. And he didn't. And we, we were already promoted. And he was like, no, I want to win the next game. And I want to win the next game. And, you know, looking, you know, before we came to lockdown, back from lockdown, you'd have looked at Burnley and thought, well, their season's kind of done, really. They're sort of mid-table. They're not going to go down. They're not going to, you know, achieve anything. But Sean Dyche would not have been thinking that. He'd have been, he would have been thinking, right, Game at time, we win this game. Who knows? You know, if you know the the next European spot does come up, then I want to be in and around it. And he's just like that. He's relentless with his mentality. And just finally, Michael, what are you predicting in this match? No, I'm predicting a, a cagey affair. I think, obviously, with Burnley, they do they do do that to teams. They do make it difficult. But I think with it being so important to Wolves and Wolves knowing that they need to win their last three games, I'm. I'm expecting Wolves to win the game. Um, I think it will be tight, um, one goal in it. Um, you know, obviously playing for both teams. You know, I said this morning to my son because he said about it, oh, who are you going to support, Dad? And for me, I, I'd really like to see Wolves win this game and give it a right good chance of getting into the Champions League for, you know, for their running. That's the right answer for the Molyneux View podcast for The Athletic. Are you going to go on a Burnley podcast when you finish playing golf and say, do you know what, my son asked me who's going to win this morning and I said, son, it's going to have to be Burnley because they're so close to my heart. I, no, to be honest, I, I wouldn't. I wouldn't. I, re, I, I said to my little boy this morning, I said, imagine going down to Molyneux next season and, and watching a Champions League game and hearing that, you know, the Champions League theme tune and, it excites me, like, you know, obviously as, a, as an ex-player and a fan as well, it excites me. So, yeah, unfortunately, I'd have to be telling Burnley, um, look, come on, we'll just let Wolves have this win um, and then you can go on and win your last two games. <laughs> Who does your little man support normally? Well, he he did support Aston Villa. Oh, but I've managed to... Uh, what? Yeah, I've, I've, managed, I've managed to turn him into a Wolves fan, so he's... Uh, <laughs> 
he's a Wolves fan now. <laughs> you know Lee Hendry's little boy is a mad Wolves fan because he originally liked the colour of the shirts. So poor Lee Hendry has to traipse down to Molyneux with a cap on taking his little boy. <laughs> really? I t- good parenting I t- right there. Yeah, I took my little boy to his first ever game, which was Villa versus Spurs at, at Villa Park. And, and Spurs won the game. So since then, he's been not too keen on Villa. He's like, oh, I don't like Villa anymore because they lost against Spurs. And I was like, well, you can't just do that. But I was like, look, go and watch, we're going to watch a Wolves game. So we went to watch a Wolves game, and I think it was the week after. And they won 3-0 at, at home to uh, Norwich. And since then, he's been he's been buzzing off the walls. So I've been trying to push him into, you know, supporting Wolves and wearing his Wolves kit as much as he can. There we go. Good lad, Michael. Well, you are welcome on the Molly New View podcast anytime you like. And if your little man wants to come on too and give us his opinion, he's more than welcome to. <laughs> That'd be great. Brilliant. Thank you. Cheers, Michael. Really appreciate you coming on. Cheers. Thanks for having me. Great to hear from Michael Kiley there. Tim, what do you think that Nuno will do Lineup wise for Wednesday, and what would you do if you were Nuno? It's West. It's, it's tough to call, right? It's tough to call after Sunday and his last few team selections. Possibly three-five-two with Jota and Jimenez. You know, you, you've got to look at you've got to look at work rate for this game. Burnley is so hard to beat. Burnley just got a point away at Liverpool. You know, they are a very difficult team to circumnavigate. And one thing you have to do is work as hard as them and want it as much as them. And not to um, discredit them at all, but it's 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 um, it's more of an old-fashioned Premier League game, right? It's not going to be um, end-to-end free-flowing football. You know, they play two up front. They play. I mean, Eric Peters plays in midfield for a start, which tells you quite a lot. You know, they've got Bardsley and um, Charlie Taylor at uh, fullback. They've got Chris Wood, Jay Rodriguez at front. It's going to be a very difficult game, and I just wonder if he'll go with Jota for his work rate. And um, he's good in the physical battle. You know, him and Jimenez as a front two pack the midfield a bit more. It's not going to be pretty. They're not going to go there and tank them 3-0. You know, they had a very difficult game there last year in the middle of all their FA Cup heroics. But still, they had a very difficult game. Um, And maybe we'll see a bit of a replication of the plan we saw away at West Ham and Villa. And I know that fans will say, look, go for it. Pedence, Traore, let's let's smash them to pieces. But I'm not sure it's that kind of game, really. I think I think Nuno will revert a little bit to what we've seen in previous weeks, and I'm inclined to agree. And then you've got Pedence and Traore on the bench. It's so difficult because how do you leave Pedence out after what he's just done? But I think certainly Traore on the bench, given his shoulder problems of late, keep him in reserve. The, yeah, the question is, do you start with Pedence and go three four three, or do you start with Jota and go three five two? And I think he'll probably do the latter especially with arrested Matinho, he can come back in. Yeah, interesting with uh, Michael saying first goal is crucial and if Wolves get it, that will be the key to victory. Whereas Nuno's mindset might be to go being conservative first, but it might not be the best thing to do. Interesting also that the Burnley game starts off being live on BBC Two and then the second half switches to BBC One. So do people bother recording BBC Two or do they go straight to BBC One? Because we're used to Wolves not scoring in the first half. Or have they changed their ways now, Spiders? I think you probably watch the one show first and then just catch up with the second half, right? Well, yeah, I think BBC will be desperate for them to be entertaining, won't they? They won't want too much caginess <laughs> for 60 minutes of nothing happening, like Sheffield United game. They'll be wanting a bit more of the Everton performance, won't they? Now, as a listener of this podcast, you can start shaving with Harry's today by claiming your trial set for £3.95. Support our podcast and get your set delivered to you, including a razor handle, five-blade cartridge, foaming shave gel and travel blade cover by going to harrys.com. 
forward slash view right now. That's harrys.com forward slash view. Tim, talk to us about the Europa League situation because we've had the draw, the potential lineup, potential the route and dates to the final have been set in stone now, which is which is great. And whatever Wolves do in the next two weeks, you know this is a this is a massive thing to look forward to. I can't wait. I mean, first of all, they've got to get past the Olympiakos, right? We've got to say that. <laughs> so um, the Olympiakos date has been set for Thursday, the sixth of August. At Molyneux, yeah. If they overcome Olympiakos at Molyneux, sorry, yeah, at Molyneux. If they overcome Olympiakos, they're off to Germany for a mini tournament. Quarterfinal, semi-final, and final. It's all going to be one-off games, no two legs. And the draw has been made, and as people will have seen, I'm sure, Wolves will play Roma or Sevilla in the quarterfinals. Um, mixed reaction to this. Some fans saying, oh my God, we've lost. We're not going to win the tournament. And Man United have got an easy draw, and that's bloody typical, etc. But for me, you know, Wolves haven't played a big glamour team in this tournament so far. And it'll be a fantastic occasion to play to pit your wits against one of those two. Hang on, they played Crusaders. <laughs> yeah, they did, and Punic. Um, yeah, no, um, I mean Sevilla, multiple winners of the competition. Roma, I mean they've got a few stars. You know, massive pre- prestigious club. That's tinged with regret that it's not a, a two-legged game and that Wolves, the Wolves Barmy Army aren't going to Roma or Seville because... It's so sad, I, isn't it? I know it can't be oh, held. It's nobody's decision or such. It's just... I know. It's just desperately sad. I mean, that's another reason why they have to qualify for at least Europa League next season as well. Yeah, you're right. You're absolutely right. Yeah, I, I've been to both cities and they are both fabulous, so I'd love to go. But hey, um A heart bleeds for you, spiders. Heart's bleeding. <laughs> So what date would that be, um, so, the Roma or Seville So game? that is, so they'll play Olympiacos on Thursday the 6th. If they win, they'll be through to Tuesday the 11th, five days later, and that's in Duisburg. Um, like I said, a one-off tie. Roma and Sevilla have got a one-off tie before that. That will be in Germany because they didn't play their first leg um, when lockdown started. Okay, so we beat Roma or Sevilla. Easy, no problem. Semi-final is... Very likely to be Man United. Again, that's five days later. So the quarter's on the 11th, the Tuesday. The semi's on the Sunday, the 16th. And it's against either Man United, LASK, who they've already beaten because they're 5-0 up from the first leg. Um, Copenhagen, Stolas Olbacken's team, or Istanbul Basaksehir, if I'm pronouncing that correctly, I'm probably not. Um, Man United, overwhelming favourites to get through to semi. So should Wolves advance to the semis, yeah, they're very likely to face Man United um, on Sunday, August the 16th. And then the final, just to say, is five days again after that. That's August the 21st, a Friday. Um, and the other half of the draw, Inter Milan, Getafe, Eintracht Frankfurt, Wolfsburg, Shakhtar to next, but yeah. Um, that's it. That's the route to the final. So, I mean, I don't know about you, Jackie, but um, it's extremely exciting. And I, and I would clear my calendar, particularly oh. that semi-final date <laughs> against Man United, potentially on August the 16th, Battle of Britain in Germany. Oh, biggest game, Biggest oh. game for 50 years. What I, I'll tell you, the, the, the last thing <laughs> that I would do is go camping with no phone signal. <laughs> I don't know about you. Go camping with no phone signal, but with a Manchester United supporting husband on his actual birthday as well. His birthday is Sunday and 16th. What have you done? We're in the middle of nowhere. There's no phone signal. There's no TV. There's no Sky. There's no BT. There's no nothing at all. Oh, my gosh. I'll be in a field in the woods. What are you going to do? How, how are you going to find out the score? I, 
what do you mean find out the score? I'll have to watch it somehow. I'll have to escape. Oh, it's his birthday, <laughs> but it's his team. If, if, I mean, it's a giant if. There's oh, so many God. other things that can happen, but it's a headache. But I do have visions of you pulling up in one of those big lorry trolley van things that has a massive screen on the side and saving the day would you do that for me are you are you like a friend we used to be sort of people that we kind of tweeted from afar and now we are podcast husband and wife would you do that for me cool so what's next oh my god you wouldn't oh my god i can't believe it right okay there's a lot that has to happen before that happens first okay let's do some tweets Hello, I'm James Richardson, host of the Totally Football Show, now part of the Athletics Podcast Network. We're going to be here following all the action as the 2020 football season reaches its belated conclusion. And if you're an Athletics subscriber, you can now hear exclusive ad-free versions of our show on the Athletic app. And don't worry, if you're not a subscriber, you can still listen to us for free with the occasional word from our sponsor by searching for The Totally Football Show on Apple, Spotify and all the usual podcast places. The Totally Football Show with me, James Richardson, still totally free and now totally ad-free on The Athletic. Greg Cooper says, say we received a ridiculously high offer for Triori during the next transfer window, i.e. anything above £55 million, do we let him go, knowing we already have the likes of Pudence and Neto in the squad, can then reinvest the money into the squad strengthening, covering the COVID-19 losses? Isn't this complicated by the shoulder operation? Potentially. And, you know, it makes a good point, A, about COVID-19 losses, but B, Wolves have spent so much money in, in the past two years. I, I don't think we can... I don't think they can replicate that level of spending this summer. I don't think they can go out and spend £100 million. So they've got to look at how to improve this team... Um, and improve this squad and fight for for top four next season because I think that I think that'll be the aim now. I, th- I think that's where we're at, right? Um, I think I think top four will be the aim. You know, they, they've they've come close this season, whatever happens, and I think that's what they'll be looking to do to get to the next level. So we essentially saw a glimpse into the future with Pedence's performance on um, on Sunday. They've got Jota, they've got Neto. They can put that Troy Roy money back into the squad and sign another forward. It's an interesting dilemma. I, th- I, th- I think if they get, as Greg suggests, anything above fifty-five million, I think they'd probably take that. To be honest, I know Traore is is potentially going to improve as as the years go on, but you look at his shoulder, um, you look at the fact he can be inconsistent, and you look at the fact he doesn't score many goals, then I think an offer of that of that uh, magnitude would be too much to turn down. Steve Phillips asks, what do you think about going for Danny Ings this summer? A Nuno player who would fit the system? What would he cost? And would we spend that much now? FFP doesn't seem to be a thing anymore. Would need to be in Europe without a doubt. Interested to know your thoughts? Um, I, I don't see that happening. I don't see Danny Ings joining Wolves unless he's going to be first choice which he wouldn't be if Raul Jimenez was still there. He says he's a Nuno player. I'm not, is he? Is he? Has he got the all-round game to, to fit in Wolves' Wolves's front line? I'm not, I'm not sure. I mean, I'm a great admirer of him, but I think for the money that he would cost, Southampton's best player by far. He's scored a ridiculous amount of goals. Southampton are not going to let him go for um, for anything cheap. You're not going to get a bargain to sign him, and that's not Wolves', um, not Wolves's style. It's not what they've done. And I don't see that changing now. I, I, you know, be a great addition to the squad, but no, I don't see it happening. Stephen C, what's your feeling on Nuno's deal? When will it happen? If it will happen? And how do you see the transfer market for Wolves in the summer? 
Interesting, yeah. So there was a story on Saturday night which suggested Nuno's close to signing a new contract and that it's been agreed he'll stay till 2023. Um, Nuno was asked about this after the Everton game and he was quite outspoken on it, actually. Normally, just kind of brushes aside these stories and just says, oh, you know, it's just paper talk, whatever. Um, But he said it's not true. Uh, He also said he's read it. Um, which again isn't like him. Um, yeah, he says, it's not true. I've read it. It's not true. I have a contract. I have one more year. Um, I'd be surprised if um, he agrees a new contract in the coming weeks. I think it's the last I was told it would be sorted at the end of the season because that's a logical time to sit down and have a discussion about the future. Um, everyone will know where they're at. We'll also know where they're finished, what, the, what they're doing for next season. And there's more time. I mean, you know, they're not they're not going to even sitting down in a room is still hard enough these days with social distancing. I think it'd be the end of the season, but I do think he'll sign a contract. You don't need to read too much into the fact that he said no, no, no. I've seen it, and it's not true specifically. No, I don't think that's him saying I'm not going to sign one. I think that's just him saying we're not we're not close to announcing anything yet because they've been so busy with matches like I said and everything that's happening with Covid I think it'd be the end of this season when they sort it out Purely out of interest and I'm fascinated by these kind of things do you happen to know what Nuno reads how much he reads what he watches is he on message boards <laughs> does he care what the fans think does he listen to a, a rather good weekly podcast called The Molyneux View from The Athletic I mean do you have any idea about these things? I find it really interesting and I do find out little snippets of, of who reads what and if someone's read an article of mine, sometimes it'll get back to me and oh, so-and-so thought that was good, you know, um, which I always find very interesting. And it's probably not a good thing to know that when you're writing or recording a podcast because, you know, you don't want to kind of think, oh, no, um, Big Jeff's listening to this or Big Jeff's reading this or Nuno, <laughs> Nuno's watching this because then that might, might kind of, um, you might check yourself on certain opinions, but... Nuno, that is a good question. I know he used to watch videos I used to do at the Express and Star with my old colleague Nathan Judah. I know he used to watch those. He used to read my stuff at the start. I know that. Um, in the early days of the championship, I know he used to read what... Do you think what... he's gone to theathletic.co.uk <laughs> forward slash Wolves pod for his 30-day free trial? Do you think he's done that? And if not, why not? Um, there... Um, yeah, I think there. Are, I think there are a few subscriptions knocking around at, at, at Molyneux and Compton Park. I, I do think some people uh, read and write some of the stuff that comes out. As for Nuno, yeah, it's it's a good question, Jackie. I'll, I'll ask him. I, I don't know about you, but I would. If there's someone writing stuff about me and you've got a few minutes on your hands, I, I'd read it. I think, mm. it's, I think it's human nature yeah, to want to want to know what's case... being said. Also, because it makes sense to know what the fans are thinking. Mm-hmm. And I remember Absolutely. speaking to a very high-profile manager last season, saying, "Do you have any idea about social media?" Because this manager was actually taking a lot of stick at the time on Twitter and he said no 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 and I said well maybe it's not a bad idea for your press officer actually to be informing you because I, I do think it it would might not change their their tactics or their team lineup etc but I don't think it does them any harm if the fans are particularly up in arms about a certain situation or about a certain player getting picked every week. I think I think you're absolutely right and it, the same goes for players to a large extent as well and um it's probably not advisable for some players to 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 scour Twitter, particularly if you know they're having a tough time or getting criticised. But yeah, I've 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 had it come back to me before that players have been reading my player ratings, for example, and not too happy about it and stuff like that. Oh, they notoriously read the player is, ratings. Bit, I mean, they do. You would do, yeah, of, course, of course, you would. Of course, you yeah. would. You know, if you've if you if you've been on TV and, and you want to know what someone gave you out of ten, you know, you'd have a look. I mean, it'd be ten out of ten yeah. every week, Jackie, but you'd still have a look, wouldn't you? Thank you very much. We only just discovered, by the way, didn't we, on that point, the iTunes 
podcast um, ratings what's it if you haven't gone on it feel free to give us a five star rating and leave a little message if you like but it's very nice we didn't know that was there and all we did a few months ago and then forgot again but thank you for the messages on there nav for kayla at what point will a decision be made on fan attendance or lack thereof for the olympiakos home leg and the knockout games in germany that's not happening is it i not not at molyneux and um it looks very unlikely for this tournament uefa said um for the for the i think for the time being is what they've said or certainly that's our position at the moment is that there'll be no fans in germany they've said there are no fans for the qualifiers for the start of next season's europa league which are going to be one-off games at um not sure if they're at neutral venues, but um, yeah, it looks very unlikely. I think I think if fans were going to be there, then then we'd be getting an inkling of it now or very soon, which is such a shame. It's such a shame, but um, but I think they'll kind of write this season off and look to get fans in for next season. Yeah, I read something about forty percent of fans potentially being allowed in, which oh, it's heartbreaking for those who are used to going to every single game, but. Hey-ho, these are unprecedented times, as they say. Finally, at Bethel WWFC, recently discovered Nuno's dreaming is for free quote is a lyric from a Blondie song. Is he a fan? When you ask him next whether he listens to this podcast, Tim, uh, and whether he reads your stuff and what does he read, perhaps you could ask him if he's a Blondie fan. Is that all right? I had it on earlier. It's a good, it's a good tune, you know. I don't mind a bit of Blondie. You sing us a bit. Cool. So are we done? End of the show. It's all gone quiet. <laughs> it's all gone quiet over there. Thank you, Tim. Thank you, Jackie. And thank you to Michael Kitely as well. We will be back with you next Tuesday as usual, but we're recording on the Tuesday morning following the Palace home game the night before. We're hoping to meet up for that because I'm going to be in Wolverhampton for then, probably not at the game, sadly. But do keep an eye out on our social media. Make sure you're a subscriber to The Molyneux View, also on the app, and then it will download automatically. If not, then you can subscribe via theathletic.co.uk forward slash wolvespod. Free for 30 days. Bye for now.